Behind the Music Biz, a Raised Rowdy podcast hosted by Peyton Heben. Episode of Behind the Music Biz, a Raised Rowdy podcast. This is episode number six. I'm your host, Peyton Heben. Today's guest is a very special one. He's worked in radio, sold merch, tour managed, and now is part owner of Raised Rowdy. Please welcome Matt Burrill. Dude, pleasure to be on here, man. I'm so proud of you getting, even though it's only like six episodes in right now, you've been crushing uh, you. Behind the Music Biz, dude. It's Thank been I awesome. Appreciate it. I remember we did our first... Uh, the first, my first time on a microphone was our practice episode. Yeah, over at the house. Yeah. And now here we are shooting the real one. I've been excited for it. Yeah, dude. And you've got a great setup over here, and you've had some great guests on so far. So I'm happy to be guest number six, dude. Yeah, thank you. And you guys just built that new studio, right? Dude, yeah. we're uh, 2024 is going to be a big year, a busy busy year uh because we have so many i think this month alone we have like 11 or 12 events in town that we're hosting that are raised rowdy events and then yeah we signed the lease on the podcast studio and it's been built out now we just have to put the equipment into the studio Mm -hmm. like the lights and the decorate it and the cameras and get all that going and we're gonna have you doing this over there, yep. if you if you want to, we'll yep. have that studio accessible for you. It's gonna be badass. I bro. was very in on uh, having it in my apartment. I was like, it's the perfect setup. You know, it's right in the middle of town. But then it started to be like a little difficult because I spent a lot of money on the equipment, but like the sound isn't that great in here. Yeah, dude. It I mean, echoes. There's. Yeah, dude. I've done it with. We we can get into it with talking about like in the round and all that, or outside the round as it is now. Yeah. But when I got all that started, we rotated locations. I've done my podcast probably in like six or seven consistent locations since starting it in 2019. Yeah. Like I've bounced. First one was at my buddy's kitchen table, bro. Literally at a kitchen table. And then we just moved around from there to different houses and locations. I've done plenty of podcasts in apartments like this. Like whatever you got to do. That's what's great about podcasting is you can kind of do it wherever it's accessible for you. Yeah. And on the topic of your podcast, that I don't want to be dramatic. But that podcast changed my life. Oh, dude, you don't have to say that. No, Damn, like actually, make you, making me all red faced over <laughs> here. Damn, because I, I think I mean you've listened on my podcast since you edited them. Yeah, but you hear me say <laughs> like <laughs> I name drop you every every episode because I'm like I knew nothing. All I I knew one thing coming into the business, and that was that I wanted to be in the music business. Yeah, I loved country music. I didn't know anybody. I I knew Hayden Kaufman. That was my only connection a, in town. A great guy to know. One of the best independent artists yeah, out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I kind of just saw Ray's Rowdy on Instagram, started looking into it. Um, and then I found your podcast somehow through that. Uh, and I just listened to that. And I remember, I, you probably don't remember this because you had it happen a lot. It was some random uh, round that you were hosting. Um I forget, it was 2022, like summer of 2022, and I went up to you outside. And I was like, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, like I'm moving to town soon. That's, that's cool, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That, that has happened, especially back then when I was when I was living in the smoking section patio of Live Oak, yes. pretty much. <laughs> I had a lot of people come up back then, but yeah, I do remember meeting you, and then I remember um, 
we've done like some tour dates together mm -hmm. where artists that you've worked with have been out on the road with artists yep. that I've worked that with. That was a few months and, after. Yeah. Yeah. I and think we really got to know each other around then. Yeah. Cause I, I moved in July. I was going back and forth from July 2022 to January 2023. Um, but during that time when I was traveling and I was coming to Nashville for a very short time, I would listen to your podcast, hear the people that you would be on, that you would have on, or the people you would name drop. I would go on Instagram. I would look them up, like see what they look like, and I would go out to Live Oak, and I would just look for their faces that I recognize, go up and introduce myself. Yeah, that's what it's all about, and it's funny how you were doing that with my podcast, because I was doing that with Nikki's podcast yeah. when he was still up in Pittsburgh, and yep. he was having Riley Green, Ashley McBride, all those people on. I was like, damn, these Ray's Rowdy guys are killing it. Now yeah. I'm in that family, like doing it well, with them. It's and it's cool. the same with me, because yeah. like, we were kind of just starting to talk about it before we started the episode, but now like I was doing that to you and then now people are doing that to me and i'm only six episodes in yeah i was uh my girlfriend was playing an event in uh, at live oak a couple days ago i think it was like two days ago um and a guy stopped me by name a guy i'd never seen before Let's in my life go. so i like turned i stopped i like was kind of stunned i was like you talking to me yeah that means it's working bro. yeah shook my hand i was like i just wanted to introduce myself like i just moved to nashville from texas and i'm a fan of your podcast like I'm looking to get in the music business and he knew my resume he's like I, I know you own an independent artist management company I know you do A&R and I was just like I really didn't know what to say I was kind of just like yeah <laughs> yeah dude you don't know what to say yeah. because you're 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 like me you're a very you're a very humble guy and you're just used to being out at the bar watching people you remember being that guy recently mm -hmm. Going there to network and to meet people, and now people are coming up to you, and you're that guy, like how you came up and introduced yourself to me, and now yeah. that's happening to you. It's some full circle stuff. It, it's crazy because I still view myself as that guy. Like I'm the guy where I see someone, like within the industry, and I'm like, oh, that's so and so. Like I want to go up and shake yeah. their hand and be like, let's get coffee sometime. But then people are doing that to me, so I gave them my number, and we're gonna link up to get coffee because he's trying that. to get in the industry. But I. That was the first time it's ever happened. That was crazy. Yeah, and I got a message yesterday on LinkedIn. Same thing. That's it's crazy to me. So I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to do this. Dude, you're you're a guy that you're like a little brother to us, you know. We call you our our baby suit, so to speak. <laughs> the like, forever intern. The forever intern. <laughs> no, dude, you're you're like a little brother to us and we're we're happy to have you in the family and happy to have this podcast in the growing Raise Rowdy podcast network cuz what I do is different than what Nikki and Kurt do, which is different than what Sam does, which is different than what you do, which is different than what uh, Dawson and Caleb do with Raise Rowdy Racing. Like It all kind of fits in, and it's all different facets of the thing. And your podcast is very useful for people finding out information about the industry and right. for things like that. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Um, so tell me a little bit about, while we're on the topic of the podcast and, and Raise Rowdy, tell me a little bit about how you transition from what you were doing, which we'll get into, um, into being a part owner of Raise Rowdy and then um, what you guys have going on in this new year because there's a lot that's happening. Yeah, dude. Um, so I came on to I came on as a um, as a co-owner, as Nikki T's business partner in April of 23. We actually announced it on we announced it on our flight to Key West, which was really cool. We announced it the morning that we got on the plane and flew down there for Key West, which we'll be down at again this year. We're super stoked for. Um, but yeah, it's been, I had been out on the road and been doing all that stuff. And Nikki and I had always worked very closely together. We had collabed on probably seven or eight events at this point, And he'd always been like a big brother to me. And we had talked about working together and 
the business partner that he had had been wanting to Jacob um, Jacob Geardin, who he's been with Nikki from the beginning. He's still living up in Pittsburgh and had some other stuff going on, and he wanted to he wanted to get out of it, and me and my family wanted to get in on it. So we um, became fifty percent owners in April, and it's been a, it's been a blast, dude. It's been really cool because like I had the stuff going within the round. I've been doing events in town since twenty nineteen. Been doing a podcast since 2019, but didn't have like the website, didn't have the merch, didn't have like the branding with it. And Ray's Rowdy's always been a brand that I've looked up to and that I've, I used to order shit online whenever they would do a sale. Like I would, I would, I'd be wearing Ray's Rowdy stuff and be like an associate of Ray's yeah. Rowdy, like in the family, you know? And, and, um, so now it's been really cool to be an owner and um, learning how the business stuff works and the the stresses of being a business owner. Something I never thought I'd get into. Um, a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. A lot of relationships. A lot of growing. Some something different every day. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I right. love what love what I get to do, and um, it's elevated our podcast stuff and getting to produce podcasts like this one right here, like Dawson and Caleb's, like Sam's, like getting to be on the strategy back end side of it as opposed to just being a personality has been really, really cool and fulfilling for me. Yeah. Would you say you're a celebrity here in Nashville? I don't think of myself as that. No, I, I think you're a celebrity. I don't think, I don't think that I, I never, I never think that I do. Nick and I both do have a lot of people come up to us, especially at our events. Um, and it is cool to like go somewhere and somebody have those moments. Like I'll get it at, like, I remember, um, First time, um, one of the first dates that Aaron and I went on, uh, my girlfriend, which happy birthday, happy belated birthday, babe. Um, and um, we went to Nadine's out in Hermitage and we were sitting at the bar and the bartender was, happened to be a musician. And after, as we were closing out, he's like, man, I love your, I love your podcast. And that's happened at a few other places too. And it's, it's cool. I mean, that's what you get with being the personality, you know, right. that's, if you want to be successful doing the personality thing, people are going to know who you are. So I don't know if I think of myself as, as that, but I do definitely think of myself as a, as a valued member of the community. And that's what we try to be with Razor Rowdy, Nick and myself, you, anybody that's in our family, we, we try to be good members of the Nashville songwriter, artists, music industry community, and for the music fans outside of town, like, Folks in Ohio, like Alabama's a place where I never thought people would know who I am, but yeah. whenever I go down to Alabama, I got all kinds of people down there. So it's it's been a lot of fun. I think what you guys have done um, for the music industry and just like young artists is incredible because that's like you get recognized for that stuff is like every artist that comes to town knows Ray's Rowdy that the stuff that you've done for them, whether, I mean, they could have blown up already, like someone yeah. like an Ashley McBride or a Hardy, Bailey Zimmerman, that you kind of gave them platforms when they didn't have those platforms, and now they're huge. So they kind of just like look back and all, they're always grateful for you. Um, I can't even tell you how many artists I've been on the road with that I've like, you could talk about anything within Nashville and they don't really care, but the second you bring up Ray's Rowdy, it's like... Oh, I know. I love Matt. I love Nikki T. Like Corey Kent. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what we want, man. I mean, and it's cool you have the uh the Corey poster yeah. sitting right there. That's badass. We love Corey, bro. Um Nikki T was covering him when he was um when he was I think it was Corey Kent White was his old artist mm -hmm. name and Nikki T was writing articles about him back in the day. Like and that's how it all started was Nick and I Nick 
particularly um, with Razor Rowdy back in the day in Pittsburgh, they were just music fans, you know, and still to this day, that's us at our core. Like we're, we always say like for fans, by fans, like, and we try to talk about stuff in a positive way, like, and that, and getting to watch artists and getting texts from artists or writers saying, Hey, I just signed my first publishing deal and it wouldn't have happened without you guys. And obviously we can't take credit for that. If you're busting your ass and you're a great writer, a great artist and putting the time in and putting the work in and making the connections, we can help get your, get your name out there, but we can't take credit for that, but it's cool to see that. And I've had multiple artists and, and writers recently text me that saying, Hey, I just signed my, my first publishing deal. Wanted you to know it hasn't been announced yet. And it's like, it's such a cool, such a cool feeling. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. Cause you are a part of a lot of people's careers. I mean, just going back the amount of artists just that I've seen since I've been in town that you've been involved with that have popped off. It's incredible. Yeah, dude, it's just being in the right place at the right time and, and fine, having a good year and then working with good people, you know, everybody's journey is a little bit different. And there's so many artists that I could, I could plug that I think are the next ones up that we are having featured a lot on our, on our events at Live Oak, at our events at The Nail, and we're starting our, our brand new full band stuff at Winners, which we're very, very, yeah. very excited about. I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit, because most people that listen to this podcast, they are familiar with Ray's Rowdy already, um, and they know like the Rowdy on the Row, um, outside the round, but tell me a little bit more about what, what made you guys want to do this, uh, why Winners, and just like that kind of So vibe. for us, we've never done full band stuff. And we're, we've done like some like Ray's Rowdy Presents and things like that, but we've never booked full band things. And we've always loved full band stuff. And we wanted to stay in Midtown, you know? That's a, to us the, the culture of Midtown Nashville. We, I was joking with Nikki T where it's like, we're making Midtown Midtown again. Um, and there's something about the, the history of winners and losers of what's gone on there over the past two decades um and it's they're historic bars and it's a place where a lot of people have had their moments and i think a lot of people can continue to have their moments this next generation that's here and um and for us it was we just we knew we we had to grow and it was a big play and it's going to come with some opportunities that we haven't had before and we're still doing our stuff at live oak and we're still doing our stuff at the rusty nail we we love our our spot at the nail where we can go out and kind of do any kind of like auxiliary events that we want, you know, like the, the Christmas party was wild. Yeah, like we karaoke can, stuff. Yeah, dude, really like all it's, it's, we can get a little, we can get a little silly and it's a place where people can get, get beers for $3. Like right. we, we love the folks at the, and live Oaks obviously are home. Like we wouldn't be where we're at right now if it weren't for Hasten, Dave, Maggie and the events at live Oak. But 2020, 2023 was our year of really getting the lay of the land, Nikki and I doing this thing full time, me not being on the road, Nikki not working on working um, in the record industry, like, and 24 is our year of really, really growing, vamping up. And that's what we're going to do with, with Razor Rowdy presents Wednesdays at Winners. And we were trying to think of a name for it, but I think Wednesdays at Winners, it's just, it's a fun event. It's something that's different. It's not on a night where there's other stuff really big going on um, consistently, um, and it's an opportunity to really give back to the community and give artists a chance to do something cool. And it's going to be six to seven acts, full band. We're going to have acoustic openers on to kick off the nights. Like our first night um, on Wednesday is going to be 
Ryan Nelson kicking it off acoustic, which to me, Ryan Nelson at Winners is just special. We Barefoot. To, oh, dude. I mean, that was the first, my first uh, whiskey jam that I went to was the night that Show Up Drunk came out back in the day. And I remember seeing Ryan Nelson play and I was like, I want to meet that guy. And I looked up to a guy like Ryan Nelson. Now he's one of my best friends. So it's, it's cool to have him on that, but it's going to be. It's going to be like five, six, seven acts playing five songs each. And we have Ike doing the media and the content on that. Shout out to Ike, uh, Sir Ike Everard, our content prince. <laughs> um, he's going to be coming up with all kinds of cool concepts for how to capture those moments. And it's going to be really cool. We're super stoked and excited for it. McElwain Monday's back. McElwain Monday is back. Um, and we're doing a second Monday at the Nail this month. Uh, Monday the 22nd. We're going to be announcing that soon. Um, to, to pair off was we do rhythm and smoke out there, um, during the summer, which is our cigar and whiskey event that we do outside of the nail. And then we do karaoke inside after. Um, so during the winter months, we're doing a second, a second round indoors. And we have some big plans of other events that we're going to do at the nail that we're working on and different like things that are with music people that might not be fully like performance stuff like still community kind of events like we right. talked about with getting a getting an event going with with your with your stuff mm -hmm. with, with behind the music biz that we're we're still working on and everything so it's all exciting stuff yeah that's awesome um what would you say like i think uh people like the the branding of like different country brands like a raised rowdy and people that uh like boost up artists, young artists that help their careers and raise their careers through social media. That's such a big part of music now is having those types of yeah. brands that come through um, for people that want to get into that, in, into the media side of music. What would you say is the biggest aspect of that, that they would have to, I guess, learn? Well, it's or, finding something that's a little bit different. Um, it's finding something that finding what you want your, your message to be. If you want it to be more, more crowdsourced data driven, you look at the guys from country central, which I know, know Josh really well. And the, the team that's over there and, um, Josh and Ben were, were guests on my podcast back when country central was getting started to see where which those I, boys I are listen at, to, yeah. which to see where those boys are at now. It's freaking awesome. And then you've got other platforms within town that, that are doing different things, but for us, it's it's we just find people find find shit that we think is cool, and we like to talk about it, and we like to tell our friends about it, and we like to we like to be the guys on the road trip that we're on the aux and we're playing you shit you might not have heard before, but you're gonna think is really cool, and we try to do that with our social media too, and it's it's tough. The algorithms are a pain in the ass. They're tough. We don't we don't fully understand them. We know that reels are big, YouTube Shorts are big, TikTok obviously is a monster platform that's changed my life just from being associated with acts that have blown up on there um and uh yeah it's it's being heavy on that and just staying consistent with it consistency is is key which i know is kind of something you hear about everything but it's especially like that with the social media stuff and that's something nick and i have been really working towards with getting reels out from the podcast stuff getting performance stuff out we've had ike and and others capturing video at live oak for months yeah, and just holding finally it. starting yeah. to turn that around and our we started rolling out so we got blessed um through our good friend miss hannah mcfarland which if you don't know hannah mcfarland you're sleeping under a rock she's badass we love you hannah 
uh, we had her put together uh, the final round for outside the round this past week, and she had um, she had um, she had both um, this trio, two thirds of the trio from Oklahoma that are signed over at Warner. That they're great guys, um, great guys, and and their sister was unable to make it out, but an incredible trio that you got to check out. And then had one of the one of the guys with we like to say smoke, like having smoke in town, like having a buzz, and that's Zach Top. And we got very got very lucky that Hannah was able to get Zach. And Zach's been wearing Razor Rowdy stuff, and we've known Zach for a long time. Um, but we've started rolling out some clips of Zach, and they're doing really well for us on Instagram right now. And we're looking forward to doing that with more artists. That's and that's something people can expect playing our events. You're gonna get content. You're gonna get merch you got we're gonna hook you up with stuff you know yeah. we're not just gonna ask you to come and play for free we're gonna give you back be an ambassador yeah exactly like be <clears throat> like you play one of our events you're in our family yeah you know and that's that's how we like to look at it i uh on episode five with amy o'connor we did talk about uh that viral moment that Ray's Rowdy had that changed the brand entirely with Megan Maroney. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would say it like changed it. The numbers social. Number, numbers wise, it definitely yeah. helped us. And what's cool is Meg Maroney's one of those people and obviously haven't, haven't, haven't had the opportunity to kick it with her. Like I used to back in the day where she used to play. I think she, she played our event probably four or five times. She would play outside the round. She never did a rowdy on the row. Um, but We'd have her on Tuesdays, and I remember telling Nikki, Nikki T, like this, like she's gonna, she's gonna be something. And Nikki was like, "Man, I don't know, I don't know if I fully see it." Which there's been plenty of people that Nick's told me, like this person's gonna, gonna do some big things. And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't fully see it." And so it was really cool for Meg to be a big viral moment with us. And our boy Hunter Lewis captured that um, at Live Oak during uh, Tim Pan Songwriters Fest, and uh, it was the CSAC, uh, the big CSAC night, and. Uh, yeah, that was a really, really big moment for us. Yeah, because I remember, because I'm logged into the Instagram, and the numbers just went nuts. The followers, it was just thousands a day. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the transition kind of into more of the business side of things um, that you've done in the past. I just kind of want to dive into yeah, that. You want, you want the story? Give it to me. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> So growing up, I grew up in New York, um, in the suburbs of Rockland County, New York, about 30, 35 miles outside New York City. And I grew up a big sports fan, and I wanted to be in sports media. I had a blog when I was in middle school and high school called Matt Brittle's Sports Haven. You could probably still Google and read my cringy blog posts <laughs> about. I did get the LeBron decision right. When he was when From he went the to the heat. when he went to the heat, oh. I predicted that like um, like a couple weeks before it happened, which was cool. Um, Damn, I was I, like eight. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, yeah. And how old are you now? Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. So I was like fourteen. Like that's crazy. writing five hundred thousand, writing like thousand plus word blog posts on college football. Grew up a big Virginia Tech fan on Yankees baseball. Like I remember writing in two thousand nine about the free agency year where they signed Mark Teixeira, CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett. And my passion was in sports. I interned with the MSG network up there, got to do a lot of cool things and wanted to be on ESPN. That was my life was want to be on ESPN. And then I went to college at Ryder University in central New Jersey and I got looked like I linked up with the radio station there, uh, WRRC one oh seven seven the one oh seven seven the Bronx. And um I had a, I joined a, I remember it was like the informational meeting in college, which we all know as freshmen that want to be in media stuff, you 
pop by the newspaper, you pop by the TV station, you pop by the radio station. And I was doing that and I popped by the radio station and I saw on the board something that said Redneck Radio. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and I grew up a big, I did grow up a big country music fan. My first concert was Tim McGraw in 2003. This is back when Tim was in his wild days. He was doing, he was, it was pre-sobriety. Um, he um, was doing like what Eric Church was doing a few years ago with no openers, but like a two and a half hour show. Yeah. And I saw that in the third grade. And my, I mean, my grandmother still has pictures and videos of me wearing a black cowboy hat singing. Um, I like it. I love it. And real good man. And all those OG Tim McGraw songs. And like the for one of the first CDs I ever bought, which is funny. Now we do the butt rock stuff. First two CDs I remember buying were, um, were Nickelback, All the Right Reasons, and um, Kenny Chesney, No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problems. And so country music had always been a big thing for me. And that summer, going from high school to college, I went and saw Toby Keith live at, a, um, at the PNC Bank Arts Center. It was Toby Keith, Kip Moore, and Colt Ford um, doing the... Uh, back in 2013 and then i saw brantley gilbert which i know you're a big bg fan mm -hmm. bg was huge i was a huge b i've probably seen him like 10 times um when i was in college but we saw um brantley open for tim up at bethel woods in new york and i was just going to a lot of shows so i joined up with this college radio show and um we it was it was a weekly show and i i was kind of at the there was a guy my buddy sam who started it and then I got big with reaching out to artists over Facebook and Facebook was like, I was deprived of social media as a kid. I wasn't a MySpace person. I got into Facebook like everybody does around college to match with my roommate and do all that shit. Um, but I started reaching out to artists over Facebook messenger and finding their managers and doing the diving in. And that was kind of my first diving into Nashville was reaching out to the management teams of people like Luke Combs of finding the through um, finding the record reps, the radio reps, which back in 2013 and 14 were even more involved than they are now with the way that radio is um, and reaching out to people and getting like getting linked up with with folks like like Mike Krinick at EMI, who I haven't seen Mike in a, in a long time, but he got us hooked up with Brothers Osborne, Eric Church, all these different acts, um, Average Joe's records. We had Colt Ford and the Lax on. The big one was having Luke Combs on the show. Um, that was my early, like, oh shit moment. Um, because Luke, we thought the big song at the time was Beard Can, and we didn't know that it would be Hurricane, but got, got had shot Cappy a message on Facebook, and Luke called into my radio show one day back <laughs> in 2014, 2015, like way back in the day. And um, that was when I was like, well, I might have to move to Nashville because I want to be involved in this. And I worked for a radio station in Jersey, did the overworked, underpaid thing where you worked for $10 an hour. Um, Welcome and to the music industry. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I was doing overnights. I was an intern that worked my way up to getting a job on the promotions team where we'd be the people that you'd see at the tent with the prize wheel and at the at the 5K or at the Rutgers football game yeah. or this or that. like doing the street team stuff, which has really helped me with later, later in life with career stuff. Um, and, but yeah, I made the decision to move down here. Um, October of 2018 was when I came down here. It was my third trip down here. And I was like, fuck, I got to move here. Like, I got, I got to do it. And I had some friends, um, my boys, Dave Hangley, who is now 
Last I checked, he was tour managing for uh, John Morgan, which is cool. And Dave was a songwriter artist in Jersey in the local scene, which that's another thing about Nick and I. We were both very big in our local scenes. Right. Nick was at Jurgles every weekend, like at Jurgles or at the Dusty Armadillo or at the Thirsty Cowboy or wherever there were shows Nick and his friends were traveling to. I was doing the same thing in Jersey. I was going as far north as Maine, as far west as Hershey, Pennsylvania, and all up and down the New Jersey coastline for shows in Hoboken, in Point Pleasant, in Seaside, in, in uh, Sayreville, in um, Mount Laurel, like going all over the place. And I had like a concert crew, like my roommate, Kepsi, shout out Kepsi. Um, he, um, he was part of like our concert crew that we would go to and we'd see all the local artists and get to know the artists as they were coming up, which was at the time, guys like Wallen, guys like Combs, guys like um, people like Jordan Davis, Old Dominion, Brett Young, um, Walker Hayes, people like that. And I've, I've felt like the hospitality that those guys showed me, who they didn't owe a shit to, made me feel, made me feel like I, like it, it'd be really cool to work in this world. Yeah, for time. sure. So that's, that's kind of the pre Nashville story. And then moved down here. Um, Dave and my buddy Jake Arch and my first roommate, Dakota Tate, got me a job at Whiskey Row. And I was a bouncer for a year and saw a lot of shit, had a lot of fun. Um, Met a lot of great people and got to see the Broadway culture, which to me is important. Like people talk shit on Broadway, but you got to understand the culture down there because it is such a huge thing of Nashville and the music industry. Like there are guys and there are some incredible like some of the best players that you'll see are the guys and girls on Broadway pulling doubles and triples. Oh, yeah. Like and seeing seeing the artists come up and play those Broadway gigs and it it. To me, it's such an important part of an artist's development. Like, there obviously there are ways, there are guys and girls that blow up now that don't have to go through that. But to me, if you can come up playing four-hour cover gigs, a 30-minute opening slot on a major tour, that's easy. 30 minutes to an hour is nothing when you're playing four hours for, for bar stools or playing other people's songs. I think, to interrupt real quick, I think that, the artists that play Broadway, there's there's a weird like uh, tension between the people that don't have their moment yet that are sucking it up and playing the four hour gigs for little pay on Broadway, versus the people that blow up on TikTok never really playing a full band show. Um, but I think playing the Broadway, I know I know a lot of people get comfortable playing there and they never venture off to do anything else. Yeah, the money the money can be great if you're on the right gig, dude. Yeah, the money is stupid, but. To play it, you get to play full band, practice, so you get to run through a set, learn how to play a bunch of different songs, full band, that you could throw into a set list. Um, if something goes wrong, you figure out real quick how to fix it while not stopping everything because you're trying to appease a bunch of tourists. Yeah. Um, and you gain a bunch of fans. Like, there, you really can't go wrong with it. Um, I think it's the right way to do it. Yeah, there. If if you're looking for an opportunity to play and make money doing it, um, it's just it's a grind. You know, it's a grind. Um, the people down there, you see people at their at their absolute worst. Um, as far as the people that are down on Broadway, the vacationers, and I, I could tell, I could write a write a book on my one year working at Whiskey Row and some of the shit that I saw. Shit was wild. Um, but I. Um, this is like where it starts transitioning into the touring side. So I have a good buddy. His name's Tyler Lassard. 
formerly called, formerly known as Boudreau. Um, he was my old, uh, my old co-host and the guy that helped me get started within the round. Um, he, uh, he was, um, he was working at Whiskey Row and one of the guys that I met on that trip that I came down on before I moved and he became like my best friend. We were, we were, um, partners in crime and he had talked, he had a uh, audio engineer background. He's currently the tour manager and front of house production manager for Muscadine Bloodline. And Tyler helped me get the podcast started. And I did that together at his kitchen table and then at his, in the basement of the first house that he lived in. And um, he was my co-host and the guy that would do all the audio editing and all of that. And I would handle the uploading and we'd work together on getting guests and all that stuff, but he had been reaching out for um, looking for a gig to stop running sound on Broadway. And he had an opportunity with another artist, it fell through. And then our buddy Ethan Willis, who is now funny enough, it's funny, everybody's like on the crew side now for my mm-hmm. original gang. Um, Ethan Willis um, was doing the artist thing for a little bit, and I think he still, he still, still writes. Is. I think. He still writes, yep, he still writes, but he is on the road with uh, Dylan Carmichael. Um, and he was on the road with Drew Green before that and really good, really good dude. Ethan had, um, seen a post on, um, on the, I think it's like gig finder or whatever the Facebook group is and had tagged Tyler. And it was a post from Charlie Muncaster looking for a sound guy for Muskin on Bloodline. And Tyler, um, Tyler got the gig, went out with them. It was a perfect fit. And one of Tyler's first gigs was, in front of 70,000 people, um, Muscadine, Baron Rachel's opening for Luke Combs on Virginia Beach, like mm-hmm. on the beach at some big festival. And um, Tyler's been with him ever since. And it fits, too, because those guys are from Mobile, Alabama, Lower Alabama. Tyler's from Lower Alabama. Tyler and Gary actually played against each other in high school football. Like, they mm-hmm. they ended up, it hit it That's off funny. real well. It's worked out beautifully. But Tyler had... Um, had reached out. Tyler knew that I wanted to get off Broadway and wanted to get further in the music stuff and do more than just the podcast thing. And at the time, we still had, we hadn't even started doing rounds at Live Oak yet. Live Oak had just become a thing. It was formerly Frisky Frogs. So Live Oak opens March of 2019, I think. We start doing events September 2019. But Tyler hits me up and says, hey, um, we're looking for somebody to come out and help us sell merch this weekend. They had been rotating merch guys. Lee Langston was Gary and Charlie's tour manager. Um, was their merch guy and then moved up to the tour manager slot and had his buddies, which are now all pretty big artists like Dylan Marlowe and mm-hmm. Brian Fuller were going out selling merch for Gary and Charlie as like fill-ins. And they couldn't do that weekend that I that I ended up doing. And it was um, Huntsville, Alabama um, at Old Sidetracks with Muscadine headlining sold-out show with Ray Fulcher opening, which I thought was the coolest fucking thing. Um, and that's where I got to meet Bradley Jordan and Thomas Trainer and the folks from Peachtree Entertainment who are like family to me now. And then we did Brag Jam down at, um, in Macon, Georgia at the Crazy Bowl. Um, RIP to our man, yeah, Rick Hill. RIP to Rick. Um, had a lot of good times at the Crazy Bowl over the years. Um, but then they invited me out for one more weekend. Uh, the following weekend or a week after, two weeks after that, and it was in uh, Boaz, Alabama and Heflin, Alabama. And after the show in Boaz, I had sold like a couple grand in merch, like did really, did really well, a lot more than should have been sold at a small, a smaller show like that. And um, they asked me if I want to do it full time. And I didn't know if I wanted to give up my consistent pay at Whiskey Row to go on the road, but thank God I did because that was a door that opened, and thank God I walked through it. 
you know, because that led me on a path to where I'm at now. Right. And that's a big point of advice. Like you might not want to give up the job, the consistent pay, the, the $15 an hour job where you have that security, um, doing security, funny enough for me, <laughs> um, to take that chance and take that opportunity. Um, but you, you gotta, you know, if you want to grow in this town, you got to take whatever opportunities are given. And I was out with Gary and Charlie from then through the start of COVID, um, got to have some amazing experiences with those boys they're they're still like big brothers to me um love gary and charlie and what muscadine has done and especially at the independent level and how they've built a huge following and their shows are just incredible and the guys in the band it was cool to be a part of muscadine in that chapter too because they had had zoltan for forever um zoltan's been with them for a long time he was the guy that played, they met him he was the session drummer on porch swing angel so they've known him since then and then um justin routon and weston stewart had just joined the band earlier in 2019 so we had all kind of gotten together and had a really good crew and um so it was fun to be a part of their last chapter before covid and to see where they're at now is just fucking awesome so was that van days that was van days yeah we had a sprinter van that Got destroyed in the 2020 tornado, um, but we, um, yeah, we used to ride around in the Sprinter. Um, at that, it was a Sprinter with a trailer, and at that point, I wasn't driving. I didn't know how to drive with a trailer or do any of that shit yet, um, so I would chill in the back of the Sprinter. We had, we pulled the, the last rows out, and it was just like, it was a spot for like backpacks or like we had some pillows back there and some blankets and justin and i called it the bk lounge and um we would lay back there watch the yankees on the ipad mm -hmm. like some good times man some really good times with those guys that was my first trip to texas was with them my first trips to other spots in the midwest um i got to know the southeast market really well i went that was my first time like traveling the country was in the sprinter van selling Port Swing Angel t-shirts and Muscadine Bloodline t-shirts um, on the road with those guys. We got the last shows that I did with them, the last batch of shows where we did a big mud bog in, where was it, Mississippi. And then I got to do Alabama with them, which was really cool. And then we got to open for Co Wetzel to close out 2019, which was right as right as um, the um, Harold Saul High record came out. So like Ragweed and... Um, all those big songs came out then. So to see the Co-Wetzel machine as it was like getting going was really cool. And then 2020, my whole life just got flipped upside yeah, down. Yeah, I was about bro. to say that's real close. You're cutting it real close to the, the end of the world, essentially. Dude, yeah, man. It was crazy because all of our gigs got taken away. Like we didn't know what the fuck to do. Um, especially at that time, I was bouncing at Dogwood um, and was um, on the road with Gary and Charlie. And both of those things got stripped and taken away like everybody else's stuff did you know but in nashville we really got it the first month was was rough because it, it thrives rough. on like it thrives on people people yeah yeah it's it's tough remote jobs aren't a huge thing that they are now but they weren't then and yeah so i went up to delaware where my family lives where my mom and my stepdad live now and um tyler came up with me and tyler and i were doing remote podcasts on zoom and skype and shit to keep it going and um that was kind of how i met nikki t was around that time too uh, which was cool they were they were doing they were doing drinking games over zoom because they couldn't go to bars like all the rage rowdy <laughs> people it was like hang zoom hangs playing flip cup and shit Jeez. it was a lot of fun um and that's how i got to know all those guys but 
Um, but yeah, I come come back from doing. Um, I come back during COVID, and we did our first event probably a little early, but I'm glad we did it when we did. We did our first event back June of 2020, like three months into the pandemic, mm-hmm. and we did a full bore event at Live Oak. It was the first ever Whale Tail Media takeover, and it was kind of the start of Whales, Tony, which Whale Tail Media, fantastic. The start of Whales and I working together was doing that, and um, it was a fun event, and um, we started picking up doing rounds again, and around that time, I met some great people. That was when the the SIGs in the outfield group got started, and um, I got to meet... I'd already known Alex Maxwell and Dawson Edwards and some of those guys. Um, previously, Trey Bonner, we had met a few times. But we got I got to join that friend group and got to meet all those folks and got to meet Trey Lewis and Ella Langley and Clay Barker and Mitch Wallace and Justin Holt and Brian Frazier, Cody Parks, like Caleb Conradi, that, that whole crew. I know I'm forgetting some people, but like we just all hung out every freaking night, dude. We hung out every night, and it was sitting around the fire and passing around the guitar. Nick Haynes and his girlfriend Chelsea, and like we would hang out at their house on Second Avenue all the time. And those last six months, I always say, I was saying this to someone yesterday. The last six months of COVID were like some of the best times of my life. Last six months of 2020, because that was when all the Dick Down in Dallas stuff happened, mm-hmm. which was right when Nikki T moved to town. And um, from there, I had to learn how to be a tour manager, which was not something I was ready for, you know? Um, it was it was, it was, was a lot to, to be a part of that, just that rocket ship that took off December of 2020. You know? Yeah, so can you tell that story about, um, obviously you just said you met Trey during that time, um, and how, just tell the Dick Down in Dallas story, because that is a major story so, for artists. That so Trey and I met during, met um, at the, um, we met at the kickball, at the kickball field, Rose Park, um, and Trey thought that I was the coolest guy because I worked with Muscadine. Trey, big Muscadine fan, that Alabama community is so tight-knit. So he was like, this kid, this is the guy that works with Gary and Charlie because we had been doing the Grapevine podcast. I had been co-hosting, Tyler and I had been co-hosting and producing Gary and Charlie's podcast. And um, and then Trey and I really hit it off because I've I've been sober now coming up on, it'll be, It'll be eight years in May, um, and Trey is long time, long time sober. He's at, I want to say like 16 years, be like 17 years, I think, in um, be 16 or 17 years um, this summer. Um, but yeah, Trey and I really hit it off then, and then we were just getting together at people's houses. One of the houses was the, the Alabama house, I call it, when it was Trey, Ella, Clay, and Mitch Wallace living together, and we'd spend hours at night after going to rounds after going to the local going to live oak the bars would close at 10 so it was go to somebody's house and party um and the um the first time i heard the i heard dick down in dallas was with um was matt mckinney had played it because trey was down at the floor of bama doing a gig and um I was like, oh, this is this is funny like it's fun it was just like a an anthem amongst our friend group of like 10 15 people and then it just continued to be like the, the the song of the party, you know. And Trey decides to decides to cut it after a a trip to Chili's with Mitch Wallace and Matt McKinney with McKinney playing it for him. And 
that song written by McKinney, uh, Brent Gafford, and uh, Drew Trosclair, and it just fit for for Trey to put it out because he was like, I don't give a I don't give a fuck about shit. I've been putting out music since 2013. Nobody's ever cared. Um, what what is putting out Dick Down? What do I have to lose? And the first time he played it in Nashville was at our round um at in the round and i'd had trey play and i told him hey i want you to play your songs but at the end do a bonus song and play dick down in dallas and why not you know we all all of our friends are going to be there we all know it. it'll be a lot of fun it'll be a cool moment and um on stage it was trey ella langley um joy beth taylor and alex maxwell which now it's the next to impossible round to put together yeah. with those four because they are all fucking crushing it. Um, Even though you just did it, I think we did it for Trey's. Um, we did it for Trey and Alex's birthday. Which was you have to do big event. You have to do like special events to get those. Yeah. Those, which to me is which to me is is awesome, but also just crazy because it, it makes you miss those days of 2020 when you you could get them anytime. You know, even yeah. guys like like Dylan Marlowe was was like in that rotation, or Meg Maroney, or Bailey. Like we used to have them like pretty frequently. But um, Trey played that song, and the video starts out with him saying, I don't give a fuck about shit. This is Dick Down in Dallas. And then he <laughs> plays it. And Nikki T. <laughs> yeah, Nikki T had just moved to town, and he videoed the whole thing. And it's like you see Ella and Joy Beth, these two young girls singing, like, Buff fucked in Boston, like singing the song. And it was, and then Maxwell saying, Key change, baby, and him ripping like the lead on it because um, he had produced the demo and then ended up producing the, the, um, the finished product. Um, and Nikki T asked Trey if he could post the video, and he posted it on the Razor Ready Facebook, and it had like hundreds of shares. And then he put it up on the Instagram, and then went nuts. And then Matt McKinney, with his connections to Old Row from his days back in Athens, Georgia, just spread, you know. And it, I remember the night that it came out, and Trey being in Trey being in tears, and it it doing what it did, you know. And Trey saying, "Bro, I've been sober for." A long time but this is the highest I've ever been you know and then to go out on the road with him and I hadn't fully given up the Muscadine gig yet and Trey had, Trey had said hey um, I, just, I was just out helping him sell merch I went to Statesboro and Savannah Statesboro, Georgia. Statesboro December of 2020 was fucking nuts dude. my old home it was nuts nuts um, and just to be a part, like Trey and I become really good friends and he's like a brother, him and I are like brothers, you know, I love Trey and love everybody on his, on his team, the band, like we, we were, we went, we went to war together, you know, we were in the trenches and, um, yeah, it was, it was a fun, a fun time and they had asked me if I wanted to do the tour manager gig and, um, I, I accepted the position and learned on the fly and definitely had some moments that weren't my best out there where i I didn't know what to do and I had to learn on the fly and definitely had my shortcomings and definitely had to learn how to, how to work with management, which Trey's manager, Alex Cape is like another big brother to me, like, like family and had to learn how to, how to answer to management, had to learn what it's like to be on a marketing call, had to learn this, learn that. And, um, did a number of, did, did a few years out with Trey. And then, um, in January of this past year in 2023, um, they kind of knew that I didn't want to be a tour manager forever and they kind of needed some things that I couldn't bring to the table. You know, they knew that I was doing the podcast and they knew that I had been talking with Nick about teaming up and I was doing more stuff in town and my focuses were elsewhere. And I, I also had been doing the radio promotion stuff with Trey and I still continue to do that to this day. But, um, 
it came to the point where they were saying they wanted to go in another direction. And I was saying this actually times out well. And uh, I got off the road with Trey in January. My last run was to was through Colorado. We did Grand Junction, Colorado, which you'll you'll I, I remember I was trying to get the yeah, I was trying to get those openers and it fell through. Yeah, because it was the Grizzly Rose again. Yep, it was it was um, Warehouse twenty five sixty five, and I think that's it, right? Twenty five sixty five. Yeah, Warehouse twenty five sixty five. Yeah, Warehouse twenty five sixty five in Grand Junction, and um, the Grizzly Rose, and that was my last run with Trey as the as a tour manager. And um, but my relationship with them, like you would think, like oh, you you left you left this gig, you left these gigs, you wouldn't have good relationships with with these guys and their teams. But I'm very fortunate to still have the great relationships with with trey with with muscadine with all those guys and i learned so much out there dude learned so much saw a lot of shit had some of the best times in my life out on those gigs and um if i go back and do it again i'd still do everything the way i did it you know yeah so for me as uh managing an independent artist um we obviously don't have the trey lewis success yet that has the tour manager, like everything going on. So I've had to wear all the hats. Yeah. Um, That's so what I was doing with Trey too. I was doing tour manager. I was helping out because um, his manager, Alex, is based out of Birmingham still where mm-hmm. Trey's originally from. So I was helping out with a lot of the in-town stuff with Trey um, and working as like a pseudo, a pseudo handler in a way with stuff in town and helping out with his calendar while also selling and handling all the merch stuff while also doing the radio promotion. I was wearing like four or five hats at times and driving. I was doing all the driving, whether that was in the van and trailer and as Trey calls it, the fuck truck. Um, <laughs> or I was driving the, uh, the van wagon, um, which is, a which was a much more affordable option back then. They've jacked their prices up over the last few years, but during COVID, you could get those for like three fifty, four hundred bucks a day, and it was uh, had bunks. It was awesome, but um, but yeah, I've done the wearing the multiple hat things, like where you're at, you know. The one thing I just couldn't pick up is it might have just been my lack of knowledge as far as the tech part of the sound and whatnot. Oh, same, same, like, but I watched you. Um, you at least faked it really well because <laughs> yeah. when we played the ranch in Fort Myers, Florida together, I stood side stage watching you and you, I think, I yeah. Might, yeah, I was back side stage for a little bit. You look like you knew what you were doing, watched you during sound check, like you were running around, like you, you had it figured out for the most part. I was just learning. Like, so we are doing the, uh, we're opening for Trey here in about two weeks at Grand Junction Warehouse, Grizzly Rose, Denver, and then cowboy saloon in laramie wyoming oh you guys are in the wyoming too yeah. yeah i wanted to have all of them like the california ones yeah but just didn't work out yeah but um but yeah cody has someone from his band tour managing i'm gonna be there yeah but i just it's it's a risk for me because if something goes wrong realistically i don't know what the hell i'm doing as far as tech um but and sound yeah and that was something that i got lucky with so Trey's manager, Alex, has a huge production background. Production background, promotions background. He's been in the, the Alabama and the, the Southeastern music scene in a bunch of different facets over for a long time. He's worked with venue, worked for venues, worked for all kinds of stuff. So he has a production company. So a lot of all of our gear, the lights, that was handled through his production company. And he had guys out on the road with us that knew every in and out of all the production stuff yeah. that handled the production events that knew what a um, 
what a cat what knew the cat five cables knew what the power inputs needed to be built the stage plots did all that shit I don't have that background. Like you I'm, were just making sure that everything ran smoothly. No, logistical yeah, dude, guy. Dude, I was a merch guy turned into a damn. I was a radio guy turned into a bouncer turned into a merch guy turned into a tour manager. Like I, I. But you have to learn what you're doing, and you have to be able to use your skills. My skills are talking to people. I, was about I built. To say, yeah. I built some great relationships with venue owners, like Carrie. Um, I forget Carrie out in. Um, out in uh, Tumbleweed in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Love him, you know? Like, the folks at Grizzly Rose, the folks in um, in Statesboro, the folks in different venues in Texas. Like, I've got Wild Greg down in Pensacola and in Lakeland and formerly in Minneapolis. Like, you get to meet all these different people. And my strength was, I was the venue owners, I did really well with. I did really well with the venue owners. Having my little, my little bit of security knowledge, I knew how to run a security meeting really well. I knew mm-hmm. how to say, hey, we're going to be doing this meet and greet here. We're going to be doing this there. If you see this, that, this, that, get them the fuck out of there. Like, I knew how to do all that side. I, I had to learn the taking care of the artists and taking care of the band stuff. You know, I had to learn the rider stuff. I had right. to learn the hospitality, which I got, I got by the end of it, you know. And, and we went through, it was, there were some wild times out there. It was a lot to manage. It was a lot, a lot of stuff going on, you know, and especially being younger than everybody, everybody in our crew. I was the youngest guy. It was me and myself and Trey Bonner were the two youngest dudes. And then later on, Nick Gorman, um, who's crushing it, running sound with Trey, and one of the best sound guys you'll ever meet. Um, production was so fucking smart um, and so good at troubleshooting and everything. But, but yeah, I, I didn't have the – I wasn't the technical tour manager guy. Now Trey has a team out there where he has Sweet Boy. He has Matt McWayne, who formerly his drummer. I just found drummer, that out. Formerly that- his drummer. So Matt handles all the staging stuff, and Matt knows – it's one you can say what you want about him. He likes to get drunk and have a good time. Um, he has his he has his has his moments. He's a red star. He's a red door superstar. But we uh, but when it comes down, he's one of the hardest working guys you'll ever meet. And he does know a lot about the tech stuff, and he cares a lot about his job, and he works his fucking ass off. So he handles all the tech stuff now. He handles the running the lines. Him and Nick Gorman work directly. He handles helps handle the loadout and do all of that stuff. Um, so having that extra hand is a huge thing. And then Josiah, Josiah Wilson, who's out with, um, who's out with Trey as a tour manager. He used to be out with Jameson Rogers. His, um, his mom was actually a career tour manager. And so he's built for it, you know, and he understands all of the stuff and he's very big, very good at taking care of making Trey and the band feel like they're, they're like, give them what they need, you know, and keep it all simple. I will say the road is not for everybody. No. I, I had a Chase Butler on. I've had a few tour managers on. Um, yeah, Churro. Yep. I had him as my first episode. Um, but like Chase Butler just did that. He's done so many long tours. Yeah. And he's like, if you go back and listen to the podcast, I forget what the exact thing was. But he said he was gone for like 200 and some days or something like that out of the year. Yeah, That's see, I never did nuts. that. I never did that. I would do, we had a couple instances where Trey, my, myself, Trey, and the guys would stay out for more than a week at a time, but it, we were mostly doing weekend warrior stuff, which is you leave on a Wednesday, you get back late on a Sunday or early on a Sunday. So that's more doable, right? Yeah, yeah but, it's, but it's also you have to go, if you could stay, the ideal situation is you're, you're out there and you are 
just staying out. You don't have to come back to Nashville for stuff, but you have to make sure that you have enough merch out there. You have to make sure you have everything you need. If something breaks, do you know a spot where you can go and fix it? Like you have to take care of your bus driver, which is another thing I definitely pride myself on. I did a very good job with the bus drivers when we were out with the bus. Daddy Dan and Bobby <laughs> Lee and Mild Greg and all those different bus drivers that we have with Trey, which those are some of the best characters are the bus drivers. Yeah. I just, I mean, I've, I pick and choose the shows I go out to. I just could not. There's, I got an offer to do merch for a big uh, group. Yeah. And I just, I, we talked about the, it was Parmalee that yeah. offered, but uh, we had talked about you can't turn down. Yeah. That I, just, I know, that is something I know for a fact. I am not made for the road. So that's yeah. it's not for everybody. Like I couldn't. Yeah, live but that you life. do. But you do get skills doing different things. I wasn't made to be a bouncer, and I wasn't made to be a tour manager. But I'm glad I did both. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot of shit. And now when we go out to festivals with Nikki T and um, and the and the gang, um, I know how to handle the advances of stuff. I'm very good at selling merch. Like I'm built to be from my days being a street teamer in radio and getting people to spin a prize wheel or play the cornhole game with with um, the radio stations I was working with. You you pick up skills doing different things, and you want to be the Swiss Army knife thing is so yeah, fucking is important, dude. Super important. And I'm and I'm starting to get better, like with stat with with stuff. Like I'm good at I'm good at sales with Rage Rowdy. I'm good at any of the podcast stuff. I'm good at. There's the business side. I'm still learning, but I'm trying to be a Swiss Army knife within our business that we have right now, and make the podcast network is seamless for you guys that are our on-air talent and putting in the hours turning out all these episodes as we can you know yeah. so that's what the swiss army knife is important always being useful is yeah the main absolutely thing. yeah always have a purpose and always show value or someone needs you at all times for something yeah whether it's a connection yeah, absolutely or anything yeah it is very it is very important um what do you think your biggest i mean we kind of talked about uh how you said you're really good with people and the sales and stuff, but overall through everything that you've done, um, as far as the merch and the tour management, what do you think are you the biggest skills? Not necessarily that you've had, but that you've kind of found out that you have, if that makes sense that you've like learned, okay, I do this really well throughout your time. Um, cause obviously being an on air personality in the radio stuff, you know, you're good with people. You're good with talking, yeah. but certain things will come out like when you're tour managing and, um, and selling merch and stuff, you kind of learn things about yourself. What are the biggest things you learned about yourself that help you in your music career, your business music business career? It's just having having the passion for it. I think I'm a very, very passionate guy. And if I'm in on something, you're going to get all 110%. I was blessed with being a four-letter word kid with ADHD. And um, <laughs> so I have, I have that that extra gear that if I hyperfixate on something, I'll, I'll get the job done and and move and have all that so i think having that having that extra gear i think being a good hang is a huge part of it and i like mm -hmm. to pride myself on being a being somebody that you want at something or someone like not like not oh shit brills there like being being good with being good with people and things like that um being on being on a schedule I got, I've gotten very good at the scheduling thing. Like I handle pretty much our, our raised rowdy calendar that Nick and I have, um, on Google calendar and that's gone really well, you know, like that I would say is like a newer, a newer skill, like organization wise, I've definitely gotten a lot better, um, with 
knowing that everything has a place and all that kind of shit. Yeah, know? I remember you saying uh, when I was over at the, I always call it the race rowdy house. I call yeah. it the trap house. Yeah, to H- me it's a trap house. <laughs> yeah, come come buy our merch, buy our product. <laughs> yeah, it's like you walk in, there's just merch for like race rowdy and muscadine and everywhere. There's a uh, studio in the basement. Yeah. Where a whole bunch of artists come yeah. in and record. Shout out, to, yeah, shout, shout out to the Amber Sound. It's an incredible, incredible studio. So it really is the music business trap house. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't even one, remember where one, I was going with my one, question. One stop shop. Where was I going with my question? Something I had said when we were over there. I don't know. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> I lost my train of thought once I started thinking about the trap house. Yeah, that'll, it'll do that. The trap game ain't for everyone. <laughs> yeah, but you guys really have it going over there. Yeah, dude, and we're excited to get the podcast studio going and um, get all these events going and continue to grow, and we're going to be finalizing the festivals that we'll be at. Like, we'll be at Country Concert in Fort Lauderdale, Ohio, for sure. Um, we're finishing out our planning of some other some other big nationwide events um, that we'll be out on the road for. Which that's my thing, too. Like, I thought it would be weird. to. It was weird at first to not be on the road. I was like, I got a Saturday in Nashville, and I have nothing to do. What do I do with myself? You know, yeah. like, cause I'm used to being gone or bouncing. Um, but now we're, we're going to be on the road a lot this year doing festivals and going to a lot of shows and stuff, which is going to be really cool. Yeah. I, uh, I think just being a part of that whole, uh, like right when I moved to town, I think it was the first week I moved to town full time, which was this past January, 2023. Um, it's like two days after I moved in, moved into my place, uh, we went, I went to Birmingham with you guys. Oh, yeah. And that Absolutely. was just being in that environment because that was with Trey. So that was a hometown show for him. Yeah. Just seeing the crew do that. Yeah. Everything that was going on because it was like that the whole raised rowdy crew. I got to meet a lot of friends like Amy that I just had on. Got to meet her. Andrew, Trey's booking agent now. Got to meet a lot of cool people and just create a lot of good friends. Yeah. Um, so just that you guys do that, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, dude, we're we're come one, come all. You know, we're we're very inclusive, not exclusive. Like, you want to you want to come and hang, come and hang, be a part of the family. You know, join join this wild circus that we we call Ray's Rowdy. Like, where Nikki T has always said, like he prides himself on finding like really just genuinely like good people and finding cartoon characters. You know, like people that are that are a little quirky. You know, like that are that are a lot of fun. So that's yeah. something that we we pride ourselves in and. I think we've done a pretty good job with. Yeah. Well, uh, I really appreciate you guys because you guys have uh, changed my life entirely. Dude, no. Without we, you guys, I wouldn't have. I dude, would not be in the. We position appreciate I am. you, man, and you're doing a great job with this podcast and seeing it grow. And I'm excited to see who you're going to have on next because it can really go anywhere and it brings something different from having the typical like artist interview or conversation that we have with some of our other pods. So we love what you're doing and appreciate you being a, being a part of this family. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, do you want to plug uh, your socials and raise rowdy? And whatnot sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so we have my Instagram is at Matt Brill, B U R R I L L L. We have a third L on there. Um, and then um, my podcast and event is uh, Outside the Round. You find all of our stuff within um, at Raised Rowdy. And uh, yeah, the podcast, taking a little break from it right now until we get in the new space so I can manage a bunch of other stuff that we have going on. But it'll be coming back in February. But you can find us on YouTube, um, Apple, Spotify. All that shit, and then we do um, every other Tuesday at Live Oak. Pretty much every Sunday at Live Oak, we're doing two Mondays a month at the Rusty Nail, and uh, every damn Wednesday at uh, Winners. 
which we're very fucking excited about. And if you guys need anything, feel free to hit up um, just hit up any of the Raised Rowdy accounts. Shoot a, shoot a DM if you have any questions, anything I can do to help uh, the listeners out there. More than happy to. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of Behind the Music Biz, a Raised Rowdy podcast. Thanks again to our host or our guest, Matt <laughs> Burrell. I'm used to saying host. Yeah, it's nice, it's nice being the guest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And as Matt just said, you can check out more from Raised Rowdy at RaisedRowdy.com and on social media at Raised Rowdy. You can follow my podcast on Instagram at Behind the Music Biz. And you can find me on social media at Peyton Heben, P-E-Y-T-O-N-H-E-B-E-N. And we'll see you all next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern for Episode 7.